Todd and Rob in the afternoon. Hey, afternoon delight. With Todd and Rob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And here we are, Rob, for another edition of the new media show, a day late, but not a dollar short. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of folks won't know that we're doing this show today. So I, I did send a tweet out saying, saying we're, we're doing it today, but you know. Yeah, I had people uh, build build their schedules around shows, so we, it's possible we may not have as many live listeners today. We and and I have a um, I had a prior commitment yesterday, so I wasn't able to do it, but wanted to get the show out, and I just yeah. wanted to let you know I it's the it's the MacDiver in me. I jury rigged our new streaming setup so that we could be live on all the apps. So that we're back where we were on all the live streams that we were. But what I had to keep is I had to keep the cloud wowza service in order to do the HLS stream so that we could be on the, on the podcasting 2.0 apps. And what's kind of funny is Hmm. we're live everywhere else. We're up running right now. Everything's up and running, but wowza is doing that thing. It used to do with us where it would uh, take a couple of minutes to spool up. So the podcasting 2.0 app for live video is not live yet because this stupid thing is delayed in getting spooled up and started. So at some point here, I'll be able to send the bat signal for the video feed that we're live and lit on video. We're live and lit on audio. (laughs) And most people are like, what are you talking about? See, there it went. It just, did it start? Oh yeah, oh, we're it, live on um, on YouTube Music, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> we are not. We're not live on YouTube Music because there's a difference now. Because oh. with the way this new system works, it instantly brings me up on YouTube. I don't have to set an event anymore, but I can't right. set a playlist. So that's the offset. We're 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 live on YouTube, but we're not live on YouTube Music now. If I schedule an event on YouTube live and did the old way of starting to show up, we could be live over there too. So it is possible, but be honest with you, it's click, click. I don't think we're going to get much additional listeners over there or viewers, Um, but but it's, it's it's literally two clicks for me and everything is up and live. I don't have to do like start Twitch. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. have to start Twitter and I don't have to worry about a whole bunch of other settings. So it it lets us get out of the gate a lot, lot faster. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that being said, you know, uh, it's no different. We're just, we're streaming all over the place. And, and matter of fact, now we are in uh, 1080p. So we're actually pushing at, uh, at, at uh, 1080 versus 720. So we should be a little bit clearer on those mm-hmm. that are watching us and using more of their bandwidth. So uh, yeah, I made some adjustments that this week to my, my camcorder, um, also to up the, up the, you know, I'm set at 4k now. Right. So oh, well, why would you do that? Why would you do well, that? Because, well, because it's, that's the only other setting that it has. It's either, I think it's, I was trying to get it clearer. So just, you know, if it, I don't know if my system can handle that, but, it probably doesn't. I'm sure that my, yeah, my video it, capture card downgrades and it, it probably. It, it dumbs it down to where it needs to be, you know, right. 
But right. it uh, might be clearer going in. It's that whole thing, quality in, quality out. Well, it depends on how good the sensor is. Sometimes smaller well, is better, you know. So do I look clearer today? You know, yes. uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know if my if I need to look at upgrading my to, video capture to me, card. To me, so. your white balance seems to be off always a little bit, but. You know, I and, I and my white balance was off today, too. And w one of the reasons was, I'm grabbing it here. One of the reasons was I, <laughs> during all this rigmarole of trying to change some things up, I had to reload the TriCaster from, tri from base. And and so mm -hmm. this is, uh, you, you got to have one of these, Rob. You put this by well, your I, face. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine just a piece of paper would. That would work suffice. too. That'd work too. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't so, know what that looks like. I, I could hold up a piece of paper yeah, and see and, what it looks like. Well, you have to basically then go into your software and white balance. Most cameras have an auto white balance. I think they do. Okay. Yeah. I think this, this, uh, Sony camera that, that, that I have has auto white balance. But also, it also depends on the temperature of your light. So my lights are all yeah. 5,600 K. So everything in here is set. I'm light balanced. And then mm -hmm. if I have my white balance done, everything should quote unquote should look natural. But when I was getting ready to start today, I, I was pretty contrasted out. So that's. And I changed the, the, the background colors too. For, oh, I for see me that. Too, so yeah. I'm not, not making. Because what what I was noticing as I was moving, if the colors were moving, was that my exposure on the camera was changing. Was as changing well. as the colors changed, right? Yeah. So so this keeps a consistent exposure. I would say um, you know just make sure you get your focal point on your face, mm -hmm. white balance on your face. Now yep. today I'm wearing black. Black isn't always yep. the best color. But it also depends on what color shirt you wear will help, you know, your camera's going to do certain things too. But mm -hmm. anyway, we're, we look good enough for the internet. Um, but well, I've been, I've been really thinking a lot about creating, creating videos more and trying to get, get, get a little more advanced around that. I've got, you know, I've got a lot of tools here that I've just not, haven't been using. Right. So, so, and I'm, I started a new show called Trust Factor over on 100 TV. And What's, I just, what uh, is that? 100 it's just TV. a group of, I mean, currently it's a group of shows that was pulled together by Ross Brand. Oh, okay. Who's, who's into doing a lot of live stuff. And I've done a lot of stuff with Ross over the years. I've done, I've co-hosted his show with him before. He's a big StreamYard guy. Yeah, correct. And, and does a lot of kind of live shows and stuff like that. And he's been doing doing a lot of stuff. He's been doing publishing and, and putting out books and, and, and things like that too. So he's been doing a lot of stuff. So this is a new network project that he's taken on called, called 100 TV. And I raised my hand and said, I would love to join and, and so, create a new show. So, so what's so the show about? Uh, about uh, building trust um, with, as being a content creator, it's called mm. trust factor. Um, so all of the aspects of building a relationship and building trust with audiences. Right. And, um, just in your prep, you know, I mean, in your professional career, I think the, really the number one challenge that our world has right now is I don't think anybody trusts anything anymore. Um, and they don't trust other people and people aren't thinking about, um, how to build trust as much as maybe earlier generations were probably 
a little bit more focused on things like that of being being real with people and being honest and and it's not necessarily focused on uh truth or anything any concepts like that because that that is a truth is in the eye of the of the beholder to some degree and also it's fact based but this is more about building trust you know and trust is is at a higher level than truth so uh, it's um it's, so that's what the show's about and actually I, I just recorded my second episode just before the show here awesome well so someone, hopefully it's it's better someone so. just popped into my chat on Facebook, that is a blast from the past. Ba- uh, a blast from the past. From is the that- past. Hey Earl, how you doing? How's Hanford? Are you still in Hanford? Oh, is that in Hanford, Washington State? Yeah, Hanford, California. Oh, Hanford, California. Okay. In years and years ago, I was stationed when I was in the Navy at Lemoore, NAS Lemoore, and mm-hmm. uh, Earl and if the, I'm ninety nine point nine percent, that's the same Earl. Earl and I uh, were stationed together before, and uh, I think he, uh, I think he, oh, he's in Riverside now. So, okay, so you you got out of the valley. That's good. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so it's it's fun. Hey, I hope you're doing well, my friend. Hope you and the uh, wife and the kids are doing good. I I tell you, Rob, the um the this week has been one of those where I've just been. It's been like catch-up week and uh, doing NAB follow-up too. And, you know, I had a very big list of people to follow up with NAB. And, you know, we've all gotten those NAB messages that were, hey, thanks for stopping by and seeing us and uh, let's, let's follow up. And there's really no personality to them. So what I had done is we, we had an app scanning thing and I really didn't pre-plan it but I wrote notes on each customer mm-hmm. um, as they left the booth I had written up some you know crib notes you know, looking for hosting looking for you know whatever they were looking for and then I took their basically I, I was able to create individual emails personal chat GPT created emails for every individual that badge that I scanned based upon what they were, um, what, what we discussed. So if they were doing, uh, if they were at a university and they were looking for podcast hosting, uh, I was able to take their contact information along with a pre-built template that I made and just change the name and the purpose of the visit. And then two or three other little criterias, chat GPT pumped me out a personal email. Hi, Tom. Uh, I was glad meeting you at NAB 2023. We're glad you're doing well, over at such and such university, mm-hmm. we discussed you, know, you looking for such and such service, blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, here are some links. Here's my calendar link, da, 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 da. And the next thing I know, I have a nice, as it appears, personal email. Now it is because every one of them I had to do a little few tweaks. Yeah. Yeah. But I was able to pump those out about at the rate of one every couple of minutes. And a couple hours work, I got through all my scan contact list. And I, for the first time, after coming off an event like that, I feel like I've done the contacts that I had personally uh, interacted with justice in the follow-up email. Now, we'll see if that leads to meetings and sales and 
but it just yeah, it wasn't sounds like that you you tapped into what you learned from them and you shared that back to them as though you were listening. <laughs> well, I, well, I was because I had right. written notes, right? right? Yeah. But right. it, it and, but at the same time, I may not have remembered what university or what company they were yeah. from, but because it was in their contact, ChatGPT right. was able to pull that out and say, you know, da 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 da, da. and then then I said um, in my precursor. I basically said, okay, uh, provide it a link to this page at Blueberry and, or, or maybe it's, you know, so I was able to really kind of customize the, the responses and it didn't get better though over time because I was doing it all on the same thread. So it kept running home to mama and making the same mistakes. So it kept making a couple of mistakes in one of the paragraphs and I kept telling it, do not, this is what I want you to use. But it, it it wasn't smart, so it wasn't perfect by any means. But it definitely saved me some time, and uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, "Okay, let's try this. See if we get any more personal responses." But um, I don't know if you're using AI anymore. In your, I find again, and I don't want to get into this work into this too hardcore because we've talked about it a lot. I just I'm using it for a lot of drudge work, a lot of drudge. Yeah, work. I do use it. Um... On occasion, I'm not using it for lots of things, but I, I think over time, I, I, I should start using it more for doing more things. So it's just I, you know, I'm not finding everything I'm doing needing to right, be used right, that right, way. Right. So yeah, me too. It's yeah, and so that's that's the that's the thing about it. I think um, it's a hit. It's a hit or its role. It's a hit and miss type thing at this point. But, but it's yeah, it still is. I mean, it it, it depends. Yeah. It, I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of depends. That's true. <laughs> that are that are linked up with using that technology right now. It just it really depends on what you're trying to do. So I am yeah. going to give a little secret of what I'm going to try to do, and so that other people can try this too. So on my tech show, mm-hmm. I write um, a title and a synopsis of one of the many articles that I write and a little bit of personal information. And I, that goes into my show notes at Geek News Central. But on YouTube, and just like this show, for years, we have not really done a good job with the metadata. Right. So one of the problems I had at Geek News Central was my producer, Kirk, he does all the prep and finds all the articles that I'm going to talk about during the show. And while I'm doing the show, he's actually in the blog a link. He's basically writes a title and then links that uh, hyperlink. That's back to the, um, um, to the article I referenced and all of those links, because there's so many of them, sometimes there's 20, 22, 23 links. All of those have a no follow link so that, Google doesn't uh, hit me for basically having a link farm. Mm -hmm. So the challenge I've always had was how do I transform that from that, um, those show notes, how do I get those over into Google? Because he's already done the work for me, uh, Mm -hmm. but you can't copy HTML into YouTube's description. You have to provide a, text dash and a hyperlink physically right. a physical hyperlink you can't use html so i said to i took that just cut and paste right out of my 
the raw HTML right on my blog post and I put it in chat GBT and I said, convert this back to titles and hyperlinks. And it, it, it converted it back to text and hyperlinks with a dash in between. And I was able then to cut and paste that into YouTube with those reference links in YouTube. Now, I've started and I'm working on it for this show too. I'm building a template, but I got to thinking, mm -hmm. okay, I normally call the YouTube episode and the podcast episode the same title. Right. Well, that's a missed opportunity. So what I'm going to do now for the tech show is I'm going to, I always have four top articles. I'm going to pick the, a second article and make a sec second title and a second description for that episode. That's not the same as the one on geekincentral.com. Mm-hmm. So basically I'm getting a twofer. I'm getting I'm getting the ability to be found on Google right. for one topic and I'm being able to be found on YouTube for a second topic for the same show. Right. So I thought, huh, we'll see how that because works. Because there's there's multiple topics that are covered in your show. That's so you right. can you can highlight different ones for different, you know. So what I'm gonna start doing with this show. And it's good. Some of it's going to be done in post because when I hit publish, that's when the transcript is created. But I'm been testing a system where they will actually pull in. It's an AI system. They'll pull in this show and I'm able to do social clipping and some other stuff, but it also produces a transcript. Now, my problem is is that AI currently is not very smart in knowing when we change topics. So on my tech show, what I'm doing, article, 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 article. Mm -hmm. The, I know where the switch is. Kirk, my executive producer, know the switches and he can put time hacks in all of those articles that, and, and, and document that in the post. The AI thinks it tries to come up with a list and give you a, a time hacks, but it's always wrong. It never gets it, never gets it right. Mm -hmm. So what would ultimately be great is if there was a way either on the roadcaster or someplace where we could teach the AI where marks were. Okay. This mark, this is the change of a topic mark. Because I could sit here with my finger on a button and I could, and I could hit a change over so that we could teach AI where there was a new, new topic being started. We're not going to be there yet, but this is the kind of stuff that if it was available and if let's say I could do it on the roadcaster, could set a mark on where topics change. And that would be something that the AI or the, the transcription software could, could pull out there would be the ability then to have much more, better metadata when the AI looks at the, the transcript and the content. So for well, me, could, you know, or Todd, could you just be more, more deliberate? I've uh, tried we change topics just to say what that topic is and then start talking about it. But right. if you're doing a, a new show and you're covering mm -hmm. 22, it gets pretty monotonous to say, okay, I'm moving to the next topic or I'm moving yeah. on. But, yeah. but maybe, maybe we could have, trigger words maybe we could have a list of 10 trigger words that have mm -hmm. said in a certain sequence could train something to basically look at this next segment of content 
So I'm, it'll get better over time. But ultimately, yeah. what I want to do is now I'm going to start taking the transcript from this show, and then I'm going to have the service that I'm using, which I'll announce a little bit in a, in a few more weeks. The one I've been playing with is as this gets more refined. I'm going to see if we can get a better set of show notes for newmediashow.com and a separate set of show notes for YouTube to see if we can up the game just from the metadata that this thing is able to pull out. Won't be able to do the time hacks. And usually in this show, we only cover two or three topics anyway. So it's not that crazy for this show. To It's more about the context of of what we're talking about and having it be able to come up with a synopsis of, of the episode. Now I did that on one episode. I did that on, let's see if I go back to new media show and it's real obvious to see which one it is. Um, episode number five thirty seven. Mm-hmm. If you look at that, Right up. Now, let me read this to you. And and does this sound like I wrote this or does this sound like the AI wrote this? On episode 537, which was done on April 12th, I said Todd Cochran, founder of Blueberry Podcasting, and Rob Greenlee, founder of Spoken Life Media. On this week's episode of the New Media Show, we discussed the acquisition of the podcast business journal by Pod News. We also explored the potential impact of YouTube podcasts and how podcasts are not fully embracing it. Finally, we delved into the pod role feature proposed by Podcasting 2.0, a modern take on the blog role concept that will enable podcast hosts to share their favorite podcast recommendations in supported apps, a fantastic way to foster community discovery. Does that sound like me? No. <laughs> does it Does it make sense? A little. Yeah. Does that sound readable? In, in this instance, I didn't have it do the transcripts, but I fed it the three or four main topics that we talked about, right. and it created a summary from those three those. or four topics, and I had to edit this a little bit. So I did, I probably, if I had wrote that, as much time as I spent feeding it the parameters, I probably could have written that, but... It, I don't think it would have come out as good, personally. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I did is, if you look at um, episode 538, the write-up's a little different. Mm-hmm. It says, AI revolution, Twitter live updates, and YouTube music features, NABC show 2023 insights. That title and the write-up was purely written using our our transcript. Oh. So this is what it came up with on its own, and I didn't change it at all. Todd Cochran and Rob Reed dive into the 2023 NAB show, discussing the latest innovation and trends in the broadcasting space. We explore the recent changes to Twitter Live while examining YouTube Music's new feature that shows you're live when you're on YouTube. So a little bit, okay. Furthermore, we delve into the potential impact of artificial intelligence on content creation. The AI came up with that by itself from our transcript. But what I had fed it was about 10 examples of previous episodes that I had handwritten. So I have a template of previous episode formats. Mm -hmm. So basically I took 
I gave it 10 of our previous episode and our show notes are pretty thin on new media show. Right. And I put those in there. I said, learn how I write, learn how Todd writes. Here is a descriptive of that in the text that learn from these and then output based on this. I said, I said, yeah, I said, learn from these 10 and they were all in a block, big block Mm -hmm. of text. Mm -hmm. Then learn from those and analyze the transcript of the episode and write a title and a short paragraph because you can tell it how much to write a Roy, a short paragraph summary of the show. Todd, do you think it took longer to, to format that, that post into chat GPT than it was to actually write it? Okay. Now, but here's the thing. I've done that work once. I oh, have okay. those 10 samples, right? Yep. So, so I can take those 10 samples and if I decide to, use, I can copy new, paste them into a new, that same word, format. Right. And I just copy in the transcript and, but the problem is I don't get the transcript for this show until after we publish it. Right. So for those that are doing work and getting transcript before they, and it's making me rethink some things from our service standpoint. If you have the ability to get that transcript before you publish. Well, you could because could. you're getting the MP3 I file could. before. Right. right. That's true. But the way we've set up at a Blueberry is I publish and then the transcript comes six minutes later because oh, we weren't using a transcript with AI. So there are some, so anyway, I'm playing with this. I'm being very careful because I don't want Google to screw me. So why didn't you set your, your import of the transcript to be before you publish? Uh, because that's not how, reason? that's not how we did it when we set it up at Blueberry, when you hit publish. No, no, I get that. But yeah. was there a reason why you did it that way versus... Uploading the episode and then doing the transcript and have that be a part of your publish process. Well, it is part of the publishing process where you don't have to think about it. We made it after, after you published it, not before. Because what happens is on Blueberry, when I hit publish, Mm -hmm. the, the episode goes up immediately. Then we write in a file that is an SRT file or whatever that extension is. We say transcript coming soon. And we ship off the, the media file to Rev. And about six minutes later, the media file comes back and overwrites in the same file name because we have to have the transcript in. We have to have that. Me, it's it Basically, you got to ship the RSS feed with that transcript tag populated. Right. Couldn't you do that even though you could? If you pre-produce, if you, but the problem is I didn't, the way we set it up, we didn't set it up so people could ship stuff to Rev before they publish. Before they actually publish. Right, in, in our publishing system. But if you're just using Rev or Whisper or another service, you mm-hmm. could, you more than, and I'm sure a lot of people are doing this. And that's one of the issues I have with some of the AI tools is they have, they, they pull from your RSS feed. So they wait until you publish. Yeah, well, and, well, some like a capture or whatever allow you to upload your MP3 right. directly to them. Right. Get your transcript. Right. Get your yeah. Get all that stuff ready. The stuff, yeah. and then you use it in your publishing right. process. Right. So, right. some of the flow is not perfect for some of the services. But I be honest with you, the what I've determined here is, and then what I'm now here's what I'm really doing because I'm doing one episode of Geek News Central handwritten, mm-hmm. one episode on Geek News Central chat GPT written with me editing 
and see which works better. Right? And then I'm That's doing, then I'm going back in incognito windows. I'm doing Google searches and I'm seeing where are these ranking. And what I'm finding so far is that the, and this might just, and again, this is a little sample. I'm only on this about a couple of weeks is that it appears to me the ones that I hand write make it into Google search faster than those that are been created by chat GPT. It's to me, it, make feel, it into search faster. It or feels to me there relevant. is, it feels to me that there is a 24 hour penalty when Google thinks you're writing with, because basically I can post an episode and within about, well, because I know how long normally it takes for an episode to show up in search results. So I should oh, nor- how how could Google tell if if copy was written by ChatGPT versus you? Well, it? universities it, learn? universities wow. are now right. starting to catch when people are writing pages with ChatGPT. So I don't know. I, this again, I mean, is this it is a new form of plagiarism. Is that what we're we're really talking about here? Is that that? Kind of what well, is. you know, I've been taking full sentences of out, chat GPT output and I've been putting it in, in independent Google searches to see if that sentence comes up anywhere else. Right. You know, I can't do Sure. Maybe there'll be a short eight, nine, but I take a sentence and I copy it and I see if I can find where chat GPT learned to write. Like it, I'm trying to find out if this is going to be a copyright issue as well as mm-hmm. is Google punishing me for putting up an episode with an episode title and a show notes. And at this point, and again, this is nothing. This is just Todd thinking, because I say, "Eh, that should be showing up in search results already. It appears to me that it lags 12 to 18 hours. Well, Google might have a, a business reason for doing this. They might. They're a, they're a competitor of chat GPT, right? But but the question is, AI platform. I never put anything pure. This is the thing too. I never cut and paste. Mm-hmm. I'll take it and put it in the, I'll put it in WordPress and then I will edit, change words and I run it through Grammarly and make sure everything's right. Oh, and Grammarly is going to rip it apart. Grammarly changes no things up. I know. Yeah. I've, so, I've seen it happen a lot actually. With, so with them. in that instance, then it's, how can it's Google, unique. how can Google tell? I don't, I would have a hard time thinking that they could, especially if you ran it through Grammarly. Right. Because it's going to change word combinations. It does. It's going to shorten. It, cha- it, it rearranges stuff. And so. Grammarly will actually shorten things. Um, right. They'll, they'll eliminate words, entire words that will be generated by chat GPT. So um, I've got lots of things cooking here, but so right. starting tonight will be the first night that I'm going to put two different descriptions in one on GNC, one on YouTube that are different. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll do is I'll wait 24 hours. I'm now open up incognito windows and I will, I will start searching for the key phrase that I want to be found for that episode and see if we can find separate in YouTube and separate in GNC. If this works. Right. I keep hearing people talk about repurpose, repurpose, repurpose the content. So I've got 666 episodes of GNC. And what happens if 
we have the ability to go in on episode 1600 when you've talked about something in there that is relevant today. What happens when I change the title and the emphasis first paragraph? What does Google do with that? Does, do I get a refresh and a new round of traffic? Google always likes pages to be updated and to stay fresh. That's part of the Alago. You know, stuff that is in that's 10 years old, that doesn't get too much traffic anymore because it's old, regardless of the content. Google rewards fresh updated content on pages. Blogs don't normally do that. Corporations do, and their product pages, services, manuals, they're always in a constant flux. But content creators don't usually go back and restack and re-mess with postings from the past. So once this gets really automated and someone knows, and let's just think about this a little further, someone knows all the content on my.com and it could, I could wake up in the morning and say, hey, you've got six articles on the website that is referencing something that is in the news today. Mm-hmm. But it's not a main emphasis of the content. Can we rewrite that and make it the main emphasis for today? Well, that, what does that, does that take old content that would have gotten no more traffic at all and get traffic? I don't know. It's an interesting question, Todd, that these tools um, could could give you a very dynamic content creation Absolutely. workflow. Right? Absolutely. That will adapt to the, the world, the interest market um, mm-hmm. that exists around content, right? So you can envision, I can envision this, and I've been thinking a lot about this actually, about how a workflow could be created. And that's why I, I asked you about your workflow with the transcripts, sure. right? Was, was, how we can use this technology to simplify the publishing process and make it just like you said, make potentially dynamic, right? The the whole thing could become dynamic. Well, right? I think there's caution in that. Well, there, well, there is, and it could be, you know, it could give certain people that have access to this technology, a definite advantage in the market. Um, so right now I would say that, just taking the one content, let's say for, let's say I'm going to, well, let's I just go over to my website now and I will, you can tell that, you know, my descriptions for my shows have grown. Anyone looking at that. So here was the title of my uh, post from Monday. Elon Musk reflects on Starship debut, anticipates next flight in months. That's the, that's the headline. And the post is, and what I did is, well, in a recent talk, SpaceX founder Elon Musk discussed the debut launch of Starship rocket, stating that the vehicle's flight slightly exceeded expectations and the damage to the launch site was minimal. He anticipates the Starship flying again in just two or three months. During the flight, three of the 33 engines were not deemed healthy enough for full thrust, but 30 engines were in good condition for liftoff. Despite some engine and heat shield issues, must remain optimistic about the future launches. With upgrades to the rocket and launch pad, he expects a next Starship launch attempt in six to eight weeks. He acknowledges that the regulatory hurdles may take longer to clear. Musk hopes to achieve up to five flights this year's. 
and estimates SpaceX will spend $2 billion on the Starship program in 2023. One thing is for sure. The launch was nothing less than spectacular, and for space enthusiasts, it will be unique to watch this platform evolve. Yeah, Todd, we, we could do a whole episode on that topic. Okay, now, <laughs> but I know, but that write-up yeah. oh, I know. was 80% chat GPT. Chat GPT, okay. And what did I do? How did I get that? I don't want to tell all my secrets yet on how I'm doing this because it's, I'm refining it. Because one thing I'm being very careful here is the source content for this, I need to make sure that I'm not plagiarizing anything that came from the source article. Yeah, right. Okay. Writing a summary. And I do think, Todd, I mean, just to kind of give a little context to that, I've been doing a little bit of digging on that topic too. And I, I've been watching videos on YouTube and YouTube is a terrific place to go. If you want to learn more about sure. the hows of artificial intelligence, right? I think that there's been this misperception that, that just because these, these platforms have utilized existing data from the internet or from other sources that somehow it's just regurgitating the same thing. It's not from what I've, I've gathered, and it sounds like you've gathered the same thing, that um, even in images, right, it's generating unique stuff. It's not necessarily just regurgitating what it's, what it's, what it's seen outside. It's learned from various elements to combine and create something unique so uh, he, each time. So here is something I've been thinking about. Right, which isn't a copyright violation. Now, actually. this summary was written from data that was gleaned from the article I referenced. Right. And it's okay, okay. to do that if, if the source is owned by the provider, but I'm not sure how chat GPT knows that what you gave it is actually was written by you. So what do we, what do we, what were we generated? What were we taught in college? Right. What we were taught in college is make sure that you give credit. An attribution. Right. right. So I think what we're going to have to do as podcasters is we're going to have to be very, very clear if we're referencing external content and it's rewritten as a summary, as you would do in a college paper. If you're writing a college paper, what are you doing? You're reading an article, right? And you're writing your version of it and you give an attribution back to that. That's where you formed your ideas. So... Well, well, who would you give attribution to the the AI, or would you give it to I, some other? The AI is a service. Form? You have to give it back to the article. You have to give it back to the source. Yeah, if you gave it an article to analyze, right, right, right. and output something unique right. from it, that's right. Right, if that's what you're talking about, that's what right. I'm talking about. So, so, let's say you take an episode of somebody else's podcast. Yeah. Right. And you upload it, the, yep. the transcript of that. So yep. you upload it to chat GPD and then you put a request in there to make derivative content from that. If you're, if How their license you, allows that. Right. So that's the big question is how right. do you, if, if, if people um, basically capture other people's content and then put it into chat GPT to generate something new right. that's derivative of that. Yep. Um, 
that's where we get into this gray area. So my thought process is that I'm going to start adding to my show notes summary derived from link. Right. Yeah, I can see that. That would make sense. Because people are already pissed off, Reddit and others, that these systems are, and I'm feeding it the data. It's not scraping. I'm feeding it. Mm-hmm. So though that article was written by some human and they paid that human to write that article and that human or that website wants that traffic because of that. I talked about it during my show. I still link to it in my show notes. I always link to the articles, but have I ever give attribution? I would not give attribution if I written it completely myself. But well, be- then, because I'm then wor- AI needs to know that if you upload a transcript from another content source, right. it should be able to analyze that and say, well, that came from here. Well, I don't right. think it's the this case now, source. but I think well, you no. you have to tell it. Right. But many people aren't going to do that. No, so it's, no, they're not going to need to, to be able to do two things. It's going to need to be able to dri- create derivative content from this, but also recognize yeah. it as being from another source. Right. Be, because, you know, I think we all value our own work. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm editing and probably 80% of that was written by chat GPT. And I added this stuff at the end about space enthusiasts, you know, the, so I added my stuff and, you know, and then Grammarly did changes, but I still, I get this taste in my mouth that somehow I'm doing something wrong. This is how I, it, it kind of like it, I'm not, but it feels that way. It feels yeah, yeah, it doesn't a, feel right. Feels a little icky. Yeah, I mean, unless you don't have any kind of morals or values, right? So <laughs> it's like anything goes. I, I think this and there's right. not written rules on any of this now until someone well, comes it's, in. It's the same thing with AI in general, right? Right. I mean, that's exactly what the those all those AI scientists were asking for is you know, let's let's back off here before we get into territory that things get out of control. And, and and because I'm trying to figure this out myself, right? you know, it's like I'm seeing what I'm doing and I'm either sitting and scratching my head. I'm like, damn, that's, that's pretty good. You know, that's a much, you know, and I could have told it to write 500 characters, but I, you know, I said, no, give me a short one pair. And it's, it's really probably equivalent to paragraphs. It gives me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's gotten me excited about this because I don't think I could have wrote it that good. Maybe I could have, but it would have took me 30 minutes. And it would have probably had to be looked at by another person. Well, well, Grammarly would have done the, well, it's for my personal site. Yeah. So I don't have a team and I'm a team of me. Well, you do have folks that kind of, well, I have company anyway. Well, right? at Blueberry, we're not putting anything up that's being created by ChatGPT. It's uh, not. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not a bad thing to run what you write past another set of right. eyes. Well, anything that goes out of Blueberry right. gets three sets of eyes. So you know, <laughs> right, which is important right. to do. Right. So, but I think though, these are things that as these as tools come online. It's things that we're going to have to have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Todd, uh, speaking of changing subjects here sure. to some degree, but they're derivative of what we've been talking about here. Stephen Goldstein wrote an article, um, and that's off of his. Uh, it's off of his. Is it Amplify Media dot com? Yeah. What website? Um, so anyway, the title of the episode is, uh, or not episode, but article is, oh, you're going to clean up my hot podcast mess. Um, so this is about what's happening to, around this very same topic that we're talking about. Um, his claim is that it's taking more time to make an episode of a show or, or traffic an ad uh, with AI. So they, every day it seems <laughs> I did there read is this. another shiny new tool right, right. or service for <laughs> podcasters to utilize. Right, right, right. In the name of helping podcasters to be better at getting the word right, out, publishing right. or editing. Um, but it is getting more complex. Actually, I had lunch with Steve um, about a month ago, and we we had this conversation about this very same topic is that, all these new tools, and I'm sure you're getting outreach from all these tools that are being created all over the globe. I mean, I'm getting yep. outreach from people all, all over the world, and I'm I'm not even working for a podcast hosting company anymore, but um, but they still are pitching me or wanting yep. to talk to me yep. about what they're doing and how they can optimize what they're doing to better fit with the podcasters mm-hmm. right out there. Um, and you know, his contention is is that this big kind of shift that we're going through right now and all the things, same things that you just talked about is that there's a lot of experimentation going on. A lot of people are trying new processes, thinking they can improve what they're doing or they can somehow shorten timeframes to do things. But in the short run, anyway, it's only complicating podcasters lives. And, right now. and this is one of the reasons why I'm digging in because I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> You're trying I, to save some pain for your customers, ultimately. Ultimately, right? because I understand what it was to have little kids doing a show. One of the reasons I don't edit is because of that very reason. Right. And trying to figure out, the last thing we want is it to take longer. We want to optimize and make it faster. But the question is, is there a trade-off? Is it going to be better? Right. Or is it just a little bit of a fad? I think there are some people, and based upon my years of looking at websites and years and years of looking at episodes, I'm going to tell you something. People write horrible show notes. Horrible. Oh, it is horrible. a Horrible. But the question gets back to is, are, are people actually reading show notes? That's the other question. Okay, okay, hold on, Rob. This is, this is okay. You, you don't remember my saying. Do you remember my saying? I'm not you, sure. Okay. I'll say it for the five bajillionth time. Please do. You record your podcast for your audience. You write for Google. Right. Sure. You're not so writing your show notes for your audience. So it depends on who... Who the uh, reader target is, right? It's, it's not. It's, it's not, not the human. It's not the human, right? That's that's well, that changes what you put in there, right? It, I mean, if you're writing for humans, that may be different than what you write for for Google. For, for Google, you're writing for SEO search result optimization to try to get people to come to your page when they have searched for that topic, and in turn says, "Oh, here's a podcast. Let me subscribe." But then again, but are we talking about, I mean, Todd, let's be very clear here. Are, 
there's two places that show notes appear in the ecosystem of podcasting. There's one that's on, let's say a website. Yeah. And then there's, there's show notes that appear as part of the episode that gets published into, let's say Apple Podcasts. Up to this date, it doesn't matter about the app. Do they need to be the same? Don't have to be. I know. Even that's, today. That's, they don't have that's to. my bigger question is that does it need to be a different show notes for the website for Google? I can only hope that Apple doesn't, doesn't give a hoot about your show notes. That's right. But it's not going to help you. Other Apple, apps are. Actually. Other apps are starting to use description search. So maybe I, I don't. Over time, it, people I don't, agree with people you. don't search for episodes for search for, they don't search for specific content in apps. They search for shows. Though, though I would say maybe, you know, I think this is a little bit different in YouTube. So I think people search for specific topics absolutely in, in YouTube. And oh, I, yeah, does, maybe. And it does make me wonder if that's a missed opportunity in the listening apps for podcasting. Well, I, I believe it is. But to date, no one has. Well, here, here's, a, here's a situation. In order to have good search in apps, guess what you have to have? Back in infrastructure. Yeah, and that's expensive. And most apps don't have that. They have no back-end infrastructure. They're using the yeah, Google API. They usually just search titles, and that's all they search. That's it. And it, they have no infrastructure. Right. So, because infrastructure is expensive. Mm -hmm. And indexing and search is expensive. It takes huge databases. Yeah. You got to see my RDS bill every month. My RDS bill would make you cry. Yeah, but should AI help with that ultimately? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But still, even if you do, even you AI in an app, you still have to have reference material for it to go look through. And you have to have a, so, right. but if you're, if I would garner, and we'll see if anybody responds to this. If you are an app developer, I would be saving every search query that's being made on your apps. I would be storing that somewhere. And I would analyze that search query, search queries and say, what are people searching for in your podcast app? Are they just searching 90% searching for podcast titles? And if they are, I would never invest a dime in contextual description search in apps. I, would, I wouldn't invest a dime. But Todd, I think you have to back up on that a little bit and say, have we conditioned people to expect sucky results on search? And thus, that's all that they search because they know that's maybe all they find. Yeah, maybe. Idols. Maybe. Right? So maybe. So if you can train your listeners to think a little more broadly about but, what's but this possible has, but, in search. But that has right? nothing to do with AI. It's just this is basic search. You know, you, you, you know, you build a, you have to build a search algorithm to go into a database and pull that in relevant information and provide a speedy response. It's, it's not cheap to do that. And that's why most app developers will never do it. They're being paid five bucks for an app one time. They're right. never going to do it. Unless. Somebody's um, going to do it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's probably, it's probably going to be the big media platforms that will we'll, probably invest in it first. We'll see. Like a Spotify or an Apple or 
those kind of folks will probably ultimately at some point run some machine learning against descriptions and podcasts and be able to generate better results at some point. At but I know Apple is not a search company, so that's right. You know, and I can only if they will have the technology to actually do this. And the seat I'm sitting in, I can only can control what I can control now. And my mm-hmm. my my control is to help content creators have a better publishing experience and help them with show prep and everything. Anything I can do to help them in their production. It's you know. I, that rest of that will sort itself out. Someone will get innovative and maybe Marco will go out and do something or someone will do something and say, Hey, by the way, you can search. I matter of fact, I think there was some announcement, some app having some search in something. There was something announced. I can't remember where I saw it, but someone has done this. Yeah. So I was going to say, why, why couldn't a company be formed that, that does this for all podcasts and then just creates a, you know, a query API into these platforms um, that helps them. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's technically possible. Rob, I've, a, we've had an a, more efficient way. We've had a directory API for 10 years. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm talking about an outside company that actually would do the, the description indexing. We've already, um, Blueberry's already done that. I've had, I've had a, 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 an API for years. And With no one's directory ever. search indexing. Sure. Absolutely. Or descriptions. Yep. Okay. Well, so it's, I, you know, and in, 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 so it's like, okay. It's an opportunity for these smaller listening apps to tap into better search results in their apps. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't even know and, that it exists. And maybe podcast index will do some of this. Who knows? By the way, uh, may the fourth be with you. 1,701 sats from uh, Mike Dell. Thank you, Mike, for the uh, May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. That's right. Today, May the 4th be with you. So, I don't know. Is anybody else thinking this heavy on this stuff? And again, I'm just, I'm not even, that's not part of my day job. I'm just thinking about this for my show, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to come up with strategies that will make sense to help. Because the last thing, everyone is, the, the number one thing I hear besides how do I grow my show is I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to do all this stuff. I don't have time to do the social promotion. Matter of fact, we started uh, joking uh, today. I had a call with uh, my support team and it now, it doesn't seem like anybody's doing their own podcast anymore because all the support calls we get were people that are supposedly their podcast consultant that don't know most of them know how to produce, but that's all they know. They don't know anything else. It's, it's, it's shocking how little the plethora of podcast consultants out there actually know about podcasting. They know how to edit audio. That's about it. The majority of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's been a complaint that we've had since I'm thinking it's getting back worse. To 2005. It, it, it's went in waves. <laughs> it's went in waves, but it's gotten right. worse. Right. You know. Think, yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, LinkedIn, how many people have yeah. podcasts in their job descriptions or in their job histories? And, or, and I get 25 work, emails a day from not right. only people in overseas trying to, you know, Apple promoters, promoters, <laughs> but also those that hey, will help you produce your show. It's always a. <laughs> 
a red flag to me when they're saying, I'm an iTunes podcast. Mm, iTunes. <laughs> so talk about behind the times. Right? So I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see where this is all headed. Again, I'm just experimenting right now and having a little bit fun doing it and and see where see where things will lead. But I just wondered, I mean, the, these AI technology platforms are running at us at a hundred miles an hour. So, you know, you know, this experimentation phase that you're talking about, um, you know, somebody, I mean, there's a lot of people in the industry that are thinking on pretty heavy and hard about AI. Well, um, and I don't know, you know, who, he, who's going to do something or what's going to be around the corner. In here's, the what's, year. here's what's going to happen. Lots of podcasters are over on chat GPT playing with this right now by themselves. And they're not stupid. They're going to figure out what is going to help them and what isn't going to help them. I think there's investors that are fishing around too. Well, but there there is a time window. Right. Because the consumer is going to figure this out on their own. And they're not going to pay 50 bucks, 60, 70, 80 dollars, whatever the cost, 49.95 for a service that they can get 90% of the way there by just getting a $20 a month chat GPT account. So what do you get, Todd? Are you paying that extra $20 a month? Absolutely. So what do you get in a guaranteed access to, to what's offered right now for Nothing free? nothing's timed out. I get chat GPT 4. Um, I get basic, I, I guarantee to log in. I don't think I get much more than that. I get well, it so I, I can log in at any time and not have to wait because it's busy. So you're saying is that the free access is not using chat GPT four? I don't know. I don't use a free one, but I know that when I wasn't on paid, oftentimes it was said, we're busy. Come back later. Oh, right. Yeah. I haven't seen that lately. I think I saw that a lot couple months ago. Well, if you, if you don't pay for chat GPT use, if you can't just try to pull down the window, if you get four, I think I get 35 queries every three hours with chat GPT four with paid. That's more than I ever use, but you know, I only do maybe a one or two a day. So I, you know, again, a lot of people are thinking about it. A lot of investors are bringing money, but again, there's going to be a hundred different services out there. You know, I had a couple of specific use cases that I was looking to, I thought, well, this could do this. And my CTO, she said, why don't you go look at this site? They're doing something like that. And I went over there. I'm like, Oh my God, for $57 a month, let me see if this works. And it, it was what I wanted to do. It was kind of, you know, a little rough yet. Mm -hmm. But in the end, um, there is a distinct advantage to baking this in. Yeah. 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 I saw Todd that you posted the podcast movement, um, session yeah. that we did. Yep. I did right? back in March and it might have been a little light on the show notes, but, uh, I tried to get it out quickly. And all we have is the audio version. I didn't get the video version. I think I sent you a link to the video. You sent me a link to, to the audio, not to the video though. Double check. I think it was a separate. 
I think that was uh, a separate email. Okay. Well, I, I did not. I can send it to you again. Yeah. Send me the video again. I'll get the video. Okay. Up. And then um, I did notice in podnews.net, uh, uh, thanks, James, for keeping us up to date on some of the things that were going on in the podcasting space. Um, Apple Podcasts has removed episode numbers from the title of many shows. So people were continuing to add episode numbers to their title um, in their feeds. And I, I can see why podcasters are doing that because not everybody supports what Apple is doing here with episodes. So um, this show is makes sense. We use the Apple's pulling those out. We use the Apple way and they take that as the, I still have the episode. All the apps. Right don't want you to use right. episode numbers, right? So it's, you know, Apple is kind of playing a little bit of a game here, right? They've been doing it for years now. If they're removing um, them from the, how are they determining what is an episode number though? Are they looking for the number sign in a, how are they programmatically removing that? I don't know. I guess they look for numerical references, hmm. right? That would be the only way I could think of they could do that. I mean, unless a person uses a number in the in their description or something like that. That that could be a conflict here. Yeah. But um that I guess going from sixteen point three to sixteen point four uh episode numbers for any show marked as episodic by default. Um I guess Apple has removed those numbers. If you use the Apple episode number, they remove that. If you use their spec. No, if you don't use your spec, if you put the episode number in just your regular uh, title. Right. Right. That goes beyond their, their numbering system that they have. I still do it, but I use the Apple system. As well. Probably you do both. Do both. Yeah. Right. Right. So that was an interesting kind of move by Apple. And in some ways that makes sense. And it could be a benefit for people because a lot of people want to continue using episode numbers in their titles for other listening platforms. So, so that makes sense. So, um, and then anything else going on? I did notice that, um, uh, us podcasters, will um, Sasso and Chad, Coldgren have been threatened with legal action for posting an AI generated video of former NFL player, Tom Brady telling jokes. If they say it's parody and are full disclosed that it's a fake, I don't, well, it is a fake. If it's generated, if it's AI generated, then video if they've, Tom. if they fully disclose that, then I don't, that can be considered art. I think I would, if you have the money, yeah, kind of misrepresentation of him. Not if you're saying it's parody. I don't know that they Or do. comedy. I guess it depends on how you frame the content. If you, right. if you, if you frame it as factual, then maybe you're, you're going to be in some issue there. Okay. I, I'm seeing what was posted and it obviously looks like an AI generated version of Tom Brady. It's almost like a, like a max headroom kind of a look. So maybe there's a likeness thing. Who knows? I, again, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. Um, it says apparently Tom Brady 
um, didn't think that AI generated comedy special about him was funny at all is what the article says. Hmm. So, you know, this is getting into that gray area of AI, yep. right? It's capable of, of creating likeness, um, generated versions representing real people, um, saying things that they never said, but this obviously is a, is an animated character that's, that was generated. So, so I, I so, saw that I had a, and maybe I just should have done a Google search, but I saw that, uh, there's a pod save the UK. Yeah. I saw and that too. is yeah. this being uh, hosted by people that live in the UK? So I'm assuming uh, that the Nish that Kumar the is an English stand-up comedian. Okay, so it does appear that uh, yeah, the hosts are from America. Is the same group that right, right, right. It. Yeah, so it appears that the uh, at least the hosts are English. <laughs> you get, yeah, and if you look at their names, they certainly don't look um, like. I don't know. I well, come on, you know, we, yeah, right. we, we're pretty diverse here, Rob. Every name in the book. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Let's see here. Coco but, Han. She, oh, she's with the guardian. So yeah, it looks like they're both English. So. <laughs> so it says it's one of the biggest UK podcasts to launch. So I did not get to see this share of ear study. I have not looked at it yet. Um, well, is this a preliminary or is this a, yeah, I saw it. 9% of all Americans spend time with audio. And again, the share of ear, it's the audio, it's the audio. Uh, oh, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's a quarterly three, share. Quarterly uh, podcasts are actually 9%. Wow. Yeah, I think that there was like three audio um, survey results that came out this week from a variety of sources. One came from the Cumulus Media folks. Mm-hmm. Also talking about uh, podcast audience. Um, was it the Cumulus Media 2023 Audioscape? Um, seven new findings about podcast audience. 31% so, daily time spent listening mm-hmm. is podcast. We are 9% of all audio. And what else? Is that it? Is that the two major takeaways? Yeah. This is the Edison research. Yeah, this is the Edison uh, one. Yeah. Is what you're showing here. Is there any, do you notice any key, key important takeaways on that? Uh, just the 9% numbers. I don't know if that has That's grown. It. Yeah, it has grown to a record 9%. I don't know what it was a year ago. Oh, four. Well, they, they, they go all the way back to 2014. Through the scope, share of your this core is all time high. Thirty one percent of all spoken word audio listening going to podcasting increased for four percent two thousand fourteen. So that's a share of ear for daily time spent. I don't. Let me look and see if I can actually. Doesn't show the old number. We'll have to go look it up if we want to get that data. Uh, this this uh, sh- um, the share of ear. I meant cute one. Oh, okay. This is um, this is all audio. Old. It's all some of us. I'm seeing this kind of old research. Well, it's it's you know it's current. This is the quarterly data, but it's uh, again audio as a whole, not just podcasting. 
Yeah, but the dates that I see on this Westwood One one uh, is comparing uh, what looks like um, the data was ori- originally released back in um, 2022. Mm. So it's not current. It's not current data. So at least that's what it says on the lower part of the screen. But it still shows strong growth in uh, 35 to 64 uh, listening. It appears that 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 demo is growing the fastest with podcasts and around talk personality. And the 18 plus is, is growing the second fastest. I so. I did have to giggle though. Nick Quaz back in the news. Um, yeah, he couldn't couldn't stay away from podcasting too long, could he? No, he says uh, he reports that the Writers Guild of America strike means it mm. appears independent fiction pot it impacts independent fiction podcasts the most. You know, I, I, what is the total number of shows that have Writers Guild writers writing for it? A hundred, maybe. Yeah. It can't be that yeah. many. Well, it's it's probably some some derivative of kind of larger media content. I, I, um, but still, there's not has, that many. Has the budget to afford? Yeah, who who um, who who paid, paid paid writers? Right. You know, right. when you say, "Oh, I got paid writers for my show," I'm like, "Wow, you know." Yeah, and I think that there's some folks <laughs> folks in the industry that have a disproportionate perspective on it um, <laughs> of how important. The Writers Guild of America is for podcasting. I think that they think that it's bigger. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's a big impact for those that are, uh, you know, involved in it. Yeah, but the rest of us, like, okay, whatever. I think it's probably less than one percent of the podcasting market has any kind of impact. One one tenth of one percent, maybe. Right. Right. So, and I think it was like 15 years ago that was the last writer strike. it, it's mainly going to impact really um, any kind of screenwriter, any, any kind of copywriter type of type of folks that mainly work with larger larger media companies is who it really impacts the most. But there's a lot of independent writers that are writing for projects um, out there too that could be impacted by it as well. If you want to roll your own. You want to roll, roll your own <laughs> podcast host. Okay. You know, there's someone out there that's uh open source castapod and you know, they're basically saying, Hey, you can you can roll your own, you know, you can pay us and then we will roll your own servers. Um I, I'm gonna caution anyone that is trying to roll their own on a uh basically a ten pound nine ninety six I don't know if that's euros a month a plan. You you're gonna put a bunch of podcasts on there. Roll your own. Yeah. Caution, Will Rogers. So you're talking about getting like a, just a server and trying to host your own well, stuff. It's on basically it. you become your own podcast host for your network. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you run everything. Self-hosting. Yeah. That's well, you do is, Blueberry's right. job. Like you, what, you have a CDN and like everything. What I used to do when I started <sighs> you know, getting, into, getting into this. Right. You know, so it's, if, if you know... <laughs> It's, if it's you, fraught if you, with problems. If you're a nerd, if you're a nerd, uh, right. uh, you know, there's going to be some out I there. Had, I mean, I mean, you oh, know. I know. Yeah. We, 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 we worked together back in 2005. Yeah. And 
I had like four co-located servers that I yep. was I was hosting other people's shows. Back it's then. all fun and games until yeah. it goes down in the middle of the night. The hour gets hacked. Uh, or worse. <laughs> That's the other thing that <laughs> right. can happen. You can't have enough uh, security layers on that stuff. So, so I wrote two posts um, and I put them on my personal website. And I keep getting asked by podcasters and listeners. This thing called value for value. What, you know, what, what is this value? Oh, I saw that. Right. Yeah. So, so I wrote one that's specifically for podcasters. It's called the value for value revolution in podcasting. And it kind of lays out the six or seven steps of value for value. And then I wrote out, I wrote a second one for listeners called boost your listening experience, the value for value model for podcast support. And uh, I put those both up and kind of laid out the details. I'm hoping someone comes up with a great um, video at some point. We can, you know, something short, two, two, three minutes. It'll spell all this out. But um, I think that there does need to be a strong educational. Oh, yeah. Right. I think there's still a lot of mystery around it. Um, But But the value for value model, just so we're square, does not have to involve crypto. You can have a PayPal uh, link on your website or get a physical check and you can implement the value for value model. Right. You know, if you want to do the extra stuff, then you can do the podcasting 2.0 value for value model using Satoshi's. But the basis of value for value does not have to be a non-fiat funds. It can be, you know, just like I've done for years, have a PayPal link on my website. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the easier way of doing it. Yeah, it, it. Well, it's definitely the, the most people have a PayPal account. So you just go on and cre- create a donation widget in PayPal and slap it in your, on your website and you're good. You know, it's literally a five minute thing to implement maybe mm-hmm. 10 because you got to find the menu in PayPal, which will take you five minutes. Now they kind of hide it now. Uh, the crypto stuff doesn't take long to set up either, but it's just, you know, it's, then you have to start this heavy education process of, using the, the podcast apps over at podcastapps.com. Which, you know, is, yeah. is yeah. a big part well, of it. And then you get to hear sounds like this. Well, so there we silence. go. You get to hear that kind of a sound. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. So oh, you, okay. yeah, it didn't come feedback to you. The audi- no, I, I think, think the audience could hear it, but you couldn't. Yeah. So right. it's just a... Uh, it's an interesting time. I had a very good conversation with a organization this afternoon. I guess I'll leave it at that. And um, there is. Well, that's not saying much. There is. Well, I'll go a little <laughs> further. There well, is. Okay. There is big interest by prominent web groups on what's happening in podcasting 2.0. When you say web groups, what is a web group? Uh, just le- I can't go any deeper than that, or you'll figure out who I'm talking about. It's just so is it an all- online community? Is that what it is? Uh, an entity. Or is it an organization? An entity. I'll leave it at that. There's huge interest in what's going on and um, at a much, much higher level than just podcasting, too. So, Why do you uh, think that they're interested in it? Because podcasting has been stagnant. In, in feature 
and in, in its in its ability to have features. As I was ex- like the other day, I was explaining to my team. It's more specifically the social media group that is doing the social for us. I'm like the value for, as an example, in our, in this show's RSS feed, we have a link to you and I as host. Uh, Both go to our LinkedIn profiles. Right. And on certain apps, we show up as icons on those apps. You and I as the host. And when there's a guest, we can add a guest. Mm -hmm. It adds to the CV it adds to the value of the show over time as people start picking that up and looking at that feature and being able to say, okay, who's Todd, who's Rob, who's the guest and be able to click on that and go and look at the bio or LinkedIn profile of a guest. It's just adds a feature that over time will become more valuable. Uh, currently the only place you can get a host and co-host and guest is if you're one of the very, very small percentage of shows that have been lucky enough to be invited by Apple to have been able to designate a host and guest and those types of things. And I don't even know if they're really pushing it anymore. So it's just one small thing, one small feature that over time is going to continue to build value and audience engagement on the content that they see in their app. Um, if you think about the site that, uh, the IMDB for podcasting, uh, oh, what are their names? They got money. They were bought. Um, oh, they had everyone's profiles on there and they had show. Oh, pod chaser, pod chaser. So pod chaser takes this yeah, data and uses that in it's there. It's now owned by, by Acast. Right. So. It's these types of things over time as, as these functions are picked up mm-hmm. by different apps. As, as in, so right now, as an example, the thing I'm saying here is I'm the chicken. I've, I've made the feature available. The podcaster's the egg because they're the ones that's going to put the data in these meta fields. And then the fried egg, when it's cooked, is going to come from the apps. And they're going to take the egg and they're going to, you know, they're going to put these features into functions but we have to build enough momentum for an app to say okay now there is enough participants that we're going to add that as a feature to the app so it doesn't screw up my all ui for everyone that doesn't have it so i think Mm -hmm. we we still have a couple of years here to really get this rolled up but what the simple thing is is for the first time in really since 2005 we're advancing the space and right. we're, we are moving forward. We're not stuck on just RSS 2.0 and the, you know, the functionality in there. Yeah. Um, and over time, again, it's, it's a run to get more adoption. I think this is, this is exciting to folks that are interested in the open AKA open ecosphere of the web and podcasting. And, um, that this, these types of, and, um, not, and we're not talking about web two or or web three or whatever the hell they call it. Um, we're we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about, um, the, the ability for the internet as it was designed to be open. Yeah. 
instead of going into the that's going to last well i think it's going to last a long time because there's a lot of people that are starting to realize that walled gardens you know look at the debacle some people hate twitter now they hate twitter and where have they moved they moved to mastodon and they're starting to realize people are starting to make a little bit of a realization even though i think twitter's still viable and i'm having great discussions over there people starting to realize maybe it's time that we start putting stuff back in our own stack, stuff that we can control. Where if you don't like a certain individual and what he's done with a company, you don't care because you still own, you still own your vertical. And we control the features and we control where the space goes. It, well, Todd, it's, I would, it's I, a, I would counter that and say that I think what's coming with AI is going to kill the World Wide Web. I, I don't think, think so. Ultimately. Um, I don't think so. It could undermine its relevancy. It's going to change Google search. It's going, it's not going to change the creative path of creators putting out creative content. It's not going to, it's still going to take Rob's and Todd's to create shows like this that are going to compel people to do things and have a deep thought discussion. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about, um, what we see on the World Wide Web, which tends to be written content right. that's, that tends to get out of date very quickly. Oh, that could right. change quickly. Right. So yeah. think about how AI technology is going to change that. But we right? have to be careful. And I talked about something about going back to old content and updating it. Do we want to overwrite history too? We have to be careful not to overwrite well, history. That's like what we what you mentioned earlier, right? Is the ability to go in and update descriptions and titles based on interest, right? Right. Uh, and that could be done by AI technology, right? That could be done based on but, AI monitoring the, the well, the if, if the, if the, if the biases are not there, I think there's still going to be a, a need for the origin content and not allow that, you know, it's just to be, we, this is where yeah. the danger lies in mm-hmm. having history rewritten and people are already, you know, they ask, I heard something and I don't watch Bill Maher, but you know, Elon Musk was on there and there was an interesting interview that they had. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, when you have students that don't understand, even though George Washington, the founder of the United States, first president of the United States was a slave owner. At that time, the whole doggone world had was embraced in that insanity. But but they don't know. People don't know the rest of the history of George Washington. They are applying current thought to historical thought. Right. And And what happens? It's not the same. And what happens when the historical references of what was accomplished Mm -hmm. is get get lost, get lost and overwritten. That's Based the, on this this negative perception this is of the, something this is the caution. that applies to current thinking. Yeah, right? this is and it and again this is a yeah. bigger topic, but it goes it could go where someone that's you know fifty years from now all of a sudden you're like there's no hit you know what I don't think well, it's going to completely. I mean, Todd, I mean, it's been happening in our culture. We right. are overwriting history, right? We're taking what we believe now and saying history needs right. to be rewritten. Right. Um, 
even though that's not a necessarily, maybe it's accurate reflection of what history was, but you know, it's not how history has been shared up to this point. But I think um, we, we, right. we learn a lot from history. You know, yeah, we, we, we learn what to good change. That's right. The good and the bad and the mistakes and the behavior right. that people were able to get away with when I was a teenager. But you if know, we wipe out right. our perspective on history, right. then there is no context to the present. Right. right. That's true. So again, I don't know if it fully relates to AI or not, but you know, I think, I think it, it could. I think it will over time because AI is going to translate the world in real time. Right. Right. And it's going to make what we see and there may be bias in AI too. There may be bias to, to not reflect on the past and it, not have any input on the past. If you, if in another statement that was made by Elon in that interview that I found to be pretty fascinating was, is that mm -hmm. what you hold in the palm of your hand, you have more information available to you as Joe Q world citizen than the president of the United States had in his knowledge base in 1980. Yeah. Well, probably even shorter time frame than that. Probably true. Right. Um, so I'm not going to get too stuck on AI. I think we're just going to continue to watch it. But, you know, what I've been telling my tech audience is you better be the person in your company that understands this. Yeah, I think you could run into problems if you ignore it. Um, right. I think over time, I, I think a lot of things are going to change because of it. And, you know, I wanted to mention one other thing here, Todd, too, change the subject a little sure. bit. But I did notice in the newsletter um the pod news newsletter was um, the research um, that was listed from the three companies that, um, that James listed as putting out research, right? Um, Odyssey, uh, Cumulus and iHeartRadio. And I think there was another company too. And all those, all those companies are radio companies. That's right. Right. Are we starting to see, with the down economy and maybe fewer independent creators creating content, we're seeing this as an opportunity for these big media companies to come in and, and kind of um, influence this podcasting medium on an over, when you say kind of overly influence it towards radio methodologies. And I, I, I was hope a little not. bit, a little bit concerned about that from the standpoint of some of the dialogue that I hear in the industry right now that seems to be leaning increasingly towards thinking that radio and podcasting are the same thing. Well, there, guess what? They are making a fundamental universal mistake and are bound for failure. If they think this is the same type of medium. Yeah. But I think that there's an interest on the part of those radio companies as they see their radio audience dwindle away over time of shifting over to podcasting that they, they start to view podcasting as just another resurgence of radio. Oh, good and, for them. Let them do that. Yeah. And, and that could just, you know, it could just be as simple as the influence um, in the, in the medium uh, is increasingly growing around these big radio companies. But, they're, you know, let's be honest, the backbone of this podcasting space is still 99% independent indie creators. Yeah, but there's a lot of perception out there, Todd, that the that these radio companies and these big media companies um, are what podcasting is all about now. Well, so 
It's, 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 guess what? It's our job to dispel that stupidity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> unfortunately, there's a perception that the independent producers don't get the, I guess, the mind share as much as they used to. Right. So anyway, it's, I agree with you, Todd. It's keeping that, that dialogue open and making sure that people in the industry know that the vast majority of content creators in this industry are independent creators. They're not part of these big radio companies. Um, part of the stuff that we're doing at Blueberry on our, we're now taking a different approach to our, our, our podcast. And I think if people start, if they subscribe to that, if podcasters subscribe to it, we are reaffirming and getting into fundamentals again uh, mm -hmm. that are basically re-emphasizing that um, what this what this space is about, what's successful, why there's no rules, all these things that um, independent content creators need to kind of realize that they need to think a little bit beyond, like you said, what they're being told and this, the stupidity that happens on Facebook groups and you know people trying to make a name for themselves and being shills and selling people a bag of goods um, that is essentially worthless um, and then, you know, you go looking people up that are making these comments and you've never heard of them before and they're coming across as an authority in podcasting. I think this is where uh, mm -hmm. content creators need to be very careful and select and get a wide variety of news. If you're a content creator, get a wide variety of opinions, not just this show, get others too, because we're not completely right. We're, we're very opinionated, but. Right. Yeah. I did notice that there was a, an article that was posted by pocket casts um, yep. about improving uh, podcast search in their app. That's right. They, That's where I was thinking about that. Yeah. 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 On, this article came out, it was written by Philip Simpson uh, from pocket Cast on May 2nd. Uh, it says that pocket Cast, we keep track of all of the feature requests and at the top of the list has been improving our search functionality. And we've been hard at work on this and we're excited to update you on our progress. So they, they, they have earlier this year, we unveiled an upgraded version of podcast search functionality, which migrated um, from MySQL database to a, um, it's basically elastic search. This transition has unlocked the full potential um, of our search response times have been improved. So it looks like it's really just been response times. And it says we expanded the range of searchable fields, which means more podcasts are being found with every search. So they're not being very specific on what fields that they're referring to here that they've expanded to, but um, at least I, it's good to see uh, I, I have, a listening app. I have high hope. About this. I have high hopes for podcast addict. Of course they're owned by automatic mm -hmm. and uh, they've open source part of it. Um, in the automatic, because, you know, WordPress is open, automatic's open, you know, to us, I mean, not open, but Podcast Attic's been opened up to an extent. So mm -hmm. I have high hopes that Podcast Attic is going to rapidly uh, be increasing market share. They're not, they're smart over there. Um, yeah. So, well, and it, it looks like Pocket Cast is trying to make some improvements too. So they're going to, oh, I mean, continue I'm sorry, Pocket Cast. <laughs> yeah, they're going to, Continue to advance uh, their search functionality. Yeah, I meant to say um, they're not being very, Sorry. 
Yeah, but they're not being very specific on um, what they're actually um, looking at right now. But Well, if you're getting ready to enhance your app, would you be really fully, you know, transparent did, if you're trying to gain market well, share? Well, I think it would be helpful for the industry to know what fields. Well, when they do, I'm sure they will. That's what I mean, your job is, Rob. Is, yeah, I mean, all they've said is, They've expanded the range of searchable fields. Mm, well, then uh, a Daniel J. Lewis or you need to dig in there and figure out which fields they've expanded. That's an easy process. Well, I guess there's probably only so many fields that they can expand into. Actually. Right, right. It's true. There's not. It's we we pretty much know this what the sources are. <laughs> right. There's there's tags in there and there's right. categories and mm-hmm. there's uh, show notes. Yeah. So, right. So if you are a podcaster and you want to see what we've been talking about and keep driving you guys crazy on uh, podcastapps.com, go over there and grab yourself a, a new podcast app. And uh, the two I like a lot, just from a personal standpoint, is Podverse to consume content live and Fountain. Of course, there's Castomatic and Curiocaster and a few others that are adding features. So, um, But go over there to uh, podcastapps.com, get participate here and play along with us in this. And if you don't want to, um, we'll leave the lights on for you. And uh, we're just going to keep on uh, rocking and rolling. Rob, we are here at the at the end. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I'm Todd at Geek News. Geeknews at gmail.com is the, uh, is the place you can send comments to. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and you can certainly send me email rob.greenly at gmail.com. Happy to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you send us an email, we can we can talk about it on the show. So it'd be love to, I would love to hear from you and get your thoughts on topics maybe we should talk about or guests that we could have on. You know, I've, I've talked to quite a few folks that are interested in coming on the show. I just have been more focused on just Todd and I talking lately, so... So I don't know if you're open to having more yep. guests on Todd over Anytime. the next few weeks. But yep. Okay. So we, our new recording system, we can bring on a third person sure. and it won't be a problem. Yep. Okay. No issue. Yep. No problem. Okay. And uh, what we'll do here is uh, those of you that watch live on Thursday, thanks for tuning in. We had quite a few of you. And Bill, I saw you made some comments. Don't know what to say about the uh, site that you uh, recommended. Uh, I don't endorse anything until I've run it through the ringer, especially when it's got the words AI attached to it. Um, that uh, we'll be back here on a normal time next Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern if you want to tune in live or you can always catch us on the download or on the follow and subscribe at newmediashow.com. Sounds terrific, Todd. Actually, um, the week after on the 17th, I'm going to be traveling to Los Angeles. I'm going to be speaking at the the Outlier Podcast Conference. Uh Well, have fun. I hope you found a venue that has air conditioning. The yeah. last, the last one in LA, we we sweat to the bone. I lost five we pounds. We did, we did. <laughs> yeah, I think it does, and, and it's actually not that hot in LA. So, well, it's quite it, yet. Quite it yet. feels like it's still winter and it's May. What's what's going on here? Right. So, hoping right. for better weather this weekend. All right, Aaron, yeah. we're out of here. Thanks so much. And oh, let me get the right screen up before we. Uh, of course, I don't have it ready. Uh, there it is. All right, we'll get out of here. Everybody, thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks.